who can cheer the heart like Jesus by his presence all divine. 357.
come to the throne of grace in prayer. Let's just still our hearts and seek the Lord afresh tonight. Our God and our Father, we come into your presence this evening with thankfulness, a thankfulness that is God-given, a thankfulness that comes from the light of the gospel that has shone into our hearts, and for the mercies that we have received from thy good hand. We're thankful tonight, Lord, that we are on this side of hell, and we are thankful that we are a people as pilgrims bound for heaven. We're thankful that we have a living Savior who is no longer on the cross nor in the tomb, but is risen, exalted, given a name above every name to which every knee shall bow, who is Lord of lords and King of kings, and who worketh all things according to His will from the throne. We come seeking a fresh touch from Thyself tonight. Lord, we are weak and mortal. We are but clay. And Thou hast ordained it that we lean on Thee constantly as the branch in the vine, that we are to abide in Thee and to draw our strength, our every supply of grace from Thyself. Lord, we would come needy again and pray that Thou wilt give unto us a fresh measure of that anointing of the Spirit of God, that blessed power in our souls that is God-given, cannot be worked up, but can only be prayed down. And we ask, Lord, that you will bless each brother and sister, every soul in this meeting, and all who are joining us by webcast. Dear Lord, we pray that you will suit a blessing to the need of each heart. Lord, there are some who are weary of life, some who are cast down, some who have lost sight of glory. O oh Lord, forbid tonight that you should leave us in this state, but grant that we might have a fresh sight of our Redeemer and all the victory that He has accomplished for us and all the blessings that are ours in and through Him. Again, on this Harvest Thanksgiving Day, we thank Thee for the bounties of life, all oh, for Your sustaining daily provisions, mercies that are new every morning. We thank Thee for health. We thank Thee for food. We thank Thee for the joy of serving the Lord day by day. And we ask that you will keep us and strengthen us more and more. We do cry again for a harvest of souls in this land. Lord, we rejoice in the news of bountiful harvests across our nation in the harvest field. But oh, we long to get reports 
of souls being saved in churches and gospel meetings, and families rejoicing in household salvation. We want to hear the sound of abundance of rain. We want to know that the Lord is come to visit His people, to come to revive and to multiply her. Oh, Lord, we pray that in this country that You will be merciful out of Your sovereign purposes. Lord, speak the command. Command the blessing to send uh, Your Spirit to gather in precious souls. We pray that there will be a mighty reviving in our lifetime. Forbid it, Lord, that we should live and die without seeing revival in our land, without seeing our churches full of men and women filled with the fear of God and with hearts that are thrilled with Your Son. O God, forbid that You should allow us to labor and to labor without fruit. Lord, be pleased in mercy to visit us. And I particularly ask that You will bless this congregation Bless their labors week by week in the church, in the Sunday school, in the Christian school next door. Grant, Lord, that there will be a reviving among staff and students. And we pray that this church will be a mighty light in this city, a sinful city, a city that has opened itself up to all the temptations of deep, deep sin. O oh God, have mercy, we pray, and visit us anew. We ask Thee to multiply the blessing across our whole denomination. We thank Thee for the progress of this week of new men set to be ordained, new churches to be constituted, new students to be brought into our seminary. We thank Thee for the increase. And yet, Lord, what is this among so many? Lord, Thou art the one who took the little boy's lunch and multiplied it. We pray Thee that Thou will do so again. Lord, visit us and help us and receive our praises this hour. In their Savior's name, amen. Amen. Number five, now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices who wondrous things have done in whom His world rejoices. Hymn number five. Again, let's stand to sing this.
Our Bible reading this evening is in John's Gospel, chapter 10. John chapter 10. Now, I know that your pastor has been preaching a lot from John's Gospel, and uh, I just hope that there's room for two to preach from the same book. And I hope that tonight that the Lord will give a word that will encourage every heart. So, let's turn to John 10, beginning at verse 1, and we'll read down to verse 18. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father." Amen. May the Lord bless this reading of His Word. And I think we're calling again on Mr. Fraser to bring the announcements. He's on his way. Uh, good evening and welcome to the service this evening. And we thank Reverend Gallagher for uh, being with us today and for preaching the Word uh, to us. 
pray for Reverend Saunders as he uh, ministers in Calgary and will be flying home this week. We hope he'll be with us on Wednesday for the prayer meeting. Please remember Frank as he ministers in Phoenix. And uh, the week of prayer went well. Uh, Reverend John Kelly uh, will be starting his work up in New England area and pray for him as he starts his ministry up there. Prayer meeting on Wednesday at 7.30 and services next Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. with our time of prayer at 5.50. There is the Bible classes starting at 9.55. The food drive will continue. Uh, Please bring your donations. If you weren't able to bring them this week, we will accept them uh, next week and uh, uh, non-perishable food items. Please continue to pray for Reverend John Bodner and our brother Ron Blair. It's nice to see Ron with us tonight. Our sister Serene, uh, member Joan and Duncan and Dr. McClelland. I was mentioning June Hamilton. She's going for tests tomorrow, so pray for June as uh, she goes for the tests. Uh, Port Hope Free Presbyterian Church will be having their 29th anniversary services on October the 23rd to the 28th. Uh, There will be... Uh, Reverend Brian McClung from Newton Abbey will be preaching, Lord willing, and um, he's preaching on Christ in the Psalms. And uh, there's also a, uh, the latest edition of The Current is available. Please take your copy. They're on the back table. All these, the Lord willing. Thank you, brother. I'd like to thank Mr. Fraser and his wife for having us for lunch today. Uh, It's always good to feed the body as well, especially on Thanksgiving Day, and we had good fellowship together, and we thank you for your kindness in that. How many people heard the voice of Mrs. McClelland on radio this morning? Well, the word is out that her voice was on there, and uh, I told her that her royalties are in the meal. She will be well rewarded. I do have a number of her pieces that I cycle through once in a while on radio, and uh, her voice, of course, is very apt for radio as well. I'm doing some preaching on the second coming on radio, and uh, the emails I get are very interesting. If you want to know how many different opinions there are on the Lord's return, You could read my emails. Um, We get all kinds of suggestions. But I'm a very balanced person, and I say, well, we have to see these things from a good, balanced perspective, come to it with an open mind, and let the Bible speak. That's all we have to do. And we pray that God's Word will do its work in many hearts. Thank you for having us today, and I trust the Lord will bless you as a congregation as you press on in the work of the Lord and in the week to come that the Lord will bless you. And those who are getting together as family, may the Lord encourage your hearts at this time. Our next hymn is number 22, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Hymn number 22, Great is Thy Faithfulness. O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with Thee. 
Father, we say amen and hallelujah. Thank you, O God, that thou art the same all the time. Thou changest not. What a rock thou art. What solid foundation we stand upon when we take thee at thy word. And I pray tonight that you will write this word upon our hearts, that thou art with us and for us, and thou shalt be our God. Minister to us tonight by your grace. We thank thee that you have ordained the means of grace. You have given us this inspired book, you have given us the inner witness of the Holy Spirit who takes the very words of Scripture and writes them upon our hearts. Oh, I pray tonight that you will do a work in us that we might be more effectual as witnesses, that we might within our own souls rest, truly rest, in all that our Lord Jesus is as our Savior. Bless us. Send the Holy Ghost unto us and receive our worship in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. John 10 and verse 11. These words of our Lord Jesus himself. In fact, if you have a, a red-letter Bible, you'll notice that from verse 7 right on down to 18 is text given by the Lord himself. Indeed, chapter 10, verse 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, pretty much only verse 6 is added by John the Apostle, the author. Every other word, right down to verse 18, are from the lips of the Lord Jesus. I want you to put yourself in the presence of the Lord that day when he stated, I am the good shepherd. What a narrow-minded thing to say. I am the good shepherd. And if we understand the grammar and the text, I am the good shepherd, the better shepherd, and the best shepherd, because I am the only shepherd. All others he refers to as hirelings and they flee in the moment of danger. To the Christian, this truth is a given. When we come to the Christian faith, it's not like going to a car lot trying to decide which make and model of car you should purchase to take you from A to B every day because it really wouldn't matter if it's a sound vehicle, whether it's a Honda, a Toyota, a Ford, or anything else. It will, if it's in good order, 
get you from A to B. And when we say that Christ is the only Savior of sinners, we're not like a little group of farm boys that are arguing about whose dad has the best tractor, whether it's a green John Deere or a red Massey Ferguson. And boys do that. And they will go into fisty-fights to stand up for the tractor that their dad owns on their farm. That's bigotry. That's narrow-mindedness. The end of the day, the harvest gets in. The work gets done. But when we say that the Lord Jesus is the good shepherd, the best shepherd, the better shepherd, and the only shepherd, it is not bigotry, nor is it racial, nor is it human pride. It is absolute truth. And the Bible is consistent. Acts 4.12 says, There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. 1 Timothy 2.5, There is one mediator between God and men. And the gospel is narrow in this sense, that God has opened up a narrow way to heaven through faith in His Son. All other roads lead to the broad road to destruction. They are wrong, they are fatal, and we must not tolerate or even think of going in that direction. Now, we must note the biblical reason why the Lord Jesus stated, I am the Good Shepherd. And he himself gives us the answer. I'm not here tonight to come up with theories. I'm just here to preach the book. And in John 10, verse 11, when the Lord Jesus made that all-encompassing, narrow statement, I am the good shepherd, the Lord gave us the reason why. He said, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. He giveth his life for the sheep. And it's because of his substitutionary death. He giveth his life for the sheep. For those who want to look into the background of the preposition for, And that's what theology and Bible study is, word studies, not only in the big words, but in the prepositions too. The little word for, the good shepherd giveth his life for, in the place of, in the stead of the sheep. You can't preach the gospel without giving the full sense of substitutionary atonement. And if this church or any other church is going to really preach the gospel in its fullness, this is something that is to be preached over and over, I would say, in every gospel message, that Christ died in our place for me. 
you're not a Christian until you can personally say, Christ died for me. I know that we believe in election. We believe in God's sovereignty. We believe that it's all of God, and He is the one who chooses sinners and saves their souls. But you do not have the assurance of salvation until you can personally state with your own conviction on that cross at Calvary, A.D. 33, the Son of God in human form took my place, and in His body my sins were laid on Him, and He became my personal sin-bearer. Can you say that tonight? If you can say that, you're blessed. You ought to be rejoicing. All the other issues of life are as nothing to the great reality of being able to say, on the cross, the Lord Jesus was my substitute. Now, we're all very familiar with the term substitute, substitute soccer player. Someone gets injured. There's someone sitting on the bench alongside uh, the field ready to take that place. Substitute teacher. Six o'clock in the morning, someone gets a phone call. I've got a bad throat. I can't teach today. And the teacher must be found to substitute in the place of that person. And so it's no strange, difficult term, but it's not a Bible term. You can do a search in the Bible, the word substitute, and it won't come up. It is not in the Bible. And therefore, we might get accused of adding something or coming to some conclusion that is unbiblical. But we defend and take our stand that this is an essential term to preach the gospel, just as Trinity is an essential term to declare who our God is, God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, three in one. But the word Trinity is not in the Bible, nor is substitution. Nevertheless, it is an essential word, and it's essential for this reason, that when our Lord Jesus died on that cross, He died as our priest. He was carrying out priestly work, and God has always required blood atonement in worship. Going all the way back to Cain, all the way back to Abram, the altar builder, going back to the tabernacle, the whole tribe of Levi was given over to their work of offering sacrifices, slaying the animals, presenting the blood as a peace offering to God, a sin offering to turn away God's wrath and bring His blessing upon the nation of Israel. That continued in the temple under Solomon, right up to the days of our Lord Jesus. Sacrifices were offered. Blood atonement was made. 
and it involved priestly work. Now, if our Lord Jesus is the fulfillment of all the types and shadows of the Old Testament sacrifices and priests, then He on the cross in His work was both priest and sacrifice. And therein is the heart of the doctrine of substitution. The Lord Jesus was our worker. He was the servant of the Father, and He was working on our behalf. He was doing in His dying. And what I want to really emphasize is the Lord Jesus did not die defeated on that cross, a victim to the cruelty of men. With His energy and strength drained out of Him, until he yielded unto death in a weak condition. That's not the cross work of our Lord Jesus. Let me back up just a little bit. Preachers sometimes can get ahead of themselves. We can love the truth so much that we jump into the message before we really set it up. I've got a few building blocks to put in place. Or maybe I should put it this way. I've got a few errors that I need to knock down before we even get to this message of the priestly work of Christ. In death, the Lord Jesus was not just an example. He was not just showing us how to suffer valiantly and quietly. Do you need an example how to die such a death? No. That would not be a Savior's work. Nor was our Lord Jesus showing Christians how to be selfless. Now, that is a Christian tenant. That's a characteristic that should pervade the Christian life. The eye of self should die but our Lord Jesus did not die as an example of selflessness. Nor was He showing on that cross in His death the extent of His love that is unto death. Now, we're cutting things very fine here because it was a demonstration of love. And I wouldn't fault any Christian talking to his friend, saying that on the cross Jesus showed how he loved us. Nor would I fault a preacher for stating such a thing. But it's not enough. Nor is it enough to say that our Lord Jesus offered himself up voluntarily, that he went to the slaughter as a sheep, dumb, silent, he did die voluntarily. He did not protest, resist. He laid down his life voluntarily on the cross. But that's not the heart of substitution. That's not getting to the real issue of substitutionary atonement. And it is not 
until we understand that Christ died on the cross as a priest, suffering in our place to take away our sin, and that thereby his death was victorious. Now, what's the proof of that? Let's come now to John 10, to the last few verses that we read. And in verse 17, the Lord Jesus, here again, read letters, the words of our Lord Jesus. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. Now, that's clear enough. But you'll notice in verse 18 how the Lord went further and even was more precise. No man taketh it from me, not Pilate, not the Roman centurion, not the Roman soldier, not the nails in his hands, not the crown on his, on his, of thorns on his head, not the spear that went in through this ribcage. No man taketh my life from me but I lay it down of myself. And so on the cross, as an active worker and in obedience as a priestly sacrifice, the Lord Jesus offered up Himself. He did not just phase out, but He actively powerfully offered up Himself on that cross to take away our sins as our priest. In this, He is the good shepherd who giveth His life for the sheep. Now, I don't know if you take notes or not, but it might help. I've got a few things to say about our Lord Jesus dying as a priest. Now that I've opened up this can of worms, I can't put the lid on yet. We've got to really research and look into what was involved in our Lord Jesus, in His old body upon that cross, offering Himself up actively, not weakly now, but victoriously, mightily, as a conqueror over sin and death. What was involved in His priestly work? Number one, the Lord Jesus represented His people. A priest does not act on his own behalf. He acts on the behalf of His people. He is for the people. A prophet speaks for God. The priest speaks for men unto God and represents men. And so in His death as our priest, Jesus acted for us on our behalf. He was dying for you and for me. And as a shepherd, as the Lord describes in this amazing parable, John 10, Unlike the hireling who runs away when the wolf appears and danger appears, the good shepherd, the true shepherd, he 
faces the danger. He goes against the enemy. He enters and engages the attacker. And on behalf of the sheep, he destroys the enemy to protect the sheep. Likewise, on the cross, our Lord Jesus was acting as the good shepherd laying down his life for the sheep. Secondly, as a priest, the Lord Jesus offered up himself as the all-sufficient sacrifice. Now, for this, we go to the book of Hebrews and to chapter 7 and verse 26. Hebrews 7, 26. For such an high priest became us. So, now we've got biblical language referring to our Lord Jesus in His sacrifice as a priest. It's not strange. It's not beyond the Bible. It's in the Bible. And here in this text we see, for such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Now, he offered up himself. Let's look at verse 27. Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for their own sins and then for the sins of the people. For this he did once when he offered up. What did the Lord Jesus have to offer up? Not the blood of an animal, not the blood of sheep or bulls or doves, but his own body. He offered up himself. And if you don't mind marking your Bible, circle the word. Get that word into your mind that the sacrifice our Lord Jesus offered on the cross was himself. Himself in his totality as human, as divine. He was the God-man offering up Himself as an infinite, powerful offering unto God. As you go down to verse, let's go to chapter 9, verse 14, and you'll see this emphasis in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 9, 14, How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works. Now, did you notice, who through the eternal Spirit, He was aided, He was helped by God the Holy Spirit, but the offering was Himself and he offered up himself. Chapter 9, verse 26, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And so you have priest and sacrifice in one. This is the good shepherd that giveth his life for the sheep. This is what gives value 
to the vicarious substitutionary death of the Lord Jesus. The worth of the sacrifice is in the value of the person sacrificed, in the perfection of the person, the sinlessness of the, perf- of the person. Sacrifices were to be whole. They were to be unspotted, without blemish, without disease. And so, our Lord Jesus on that cross offered up His whole life, His perfect self for you and me. That's what substitution means. That's what vicarious in our place means. And this is the whole difference between man-made religion and the gospel. The one thing that distinguishes the gospel of God's grace is that in the religions of the world, you have man's blood flowing toward God. And you have that in Buddhism and all the isms of this world, men offering their own blood. But in the gospel, you have the blood of God the blood of His Son poured out for us. That's great grace and great mercy. Thirdly, as a priest, Christ offered Himself once. Hebrews 9, 27, 28, here we see this. As it appointed, verse 26, 27, for then must he often suffer since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Once, not twice. There's no other date. There's no other Passover. There's no other Easter. There's no other time when our Lord Jesus was nailed to the cross, but once not twice, not ten times, not fifty times. If it had been more than once, the question would be, well, is that now enough? The first one must not have been enough. He had to be crucified again. He had to make another offering. What was wrong with the first offering? And so the truth is that our Lord Jesus died once because it was all-sufficient. A second one is never needed, never needs repetition, never needs addition. And of course, in the religions that form under Christianity that offer so-called sacrifices or masses that are attributed as sacrifices, whether it's Roman Catholic Christianity, Eastern Orthodox, Egyptian Coptic, Syrian Christians— in their chapels and churches, supposedly offering up sacrifices to God. They are denying the sufficiency of our Lord's one death. They want to repeat it again. The Bible says that every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never 
take away sins. But there is one Savior who takes away sins, and he died once in our place. And our faith is in him. Our confidence is in his work, and our trust is in his priestly ministry. As a priest, the Lord Jesus had to offer his own blood as an atonement to cover sin. It could not be a bloodless suffering or a bloodless death. A preacher was invited to a very fancy modern church in Boston. Before he arrived there, he was met with by the committee, and they asked what his subject might be. And he answered, well, because of the importance of the meeting, I thought I would preach on something that is fundamental to Christianity, as in the blood of Christ. The committee said to the preacher, I think you better rethink that, because we are a, a more modern-minded people, and we don't like the references to blood. And the preacher said that he dare not change his subject because the Lord Jesus might have died in bed. But he had to go to the cross to shed his blood. And Hebrews tells us very clearly, without the shedding of blood is no remission of sin. And so here we take our stand. Number five. As a priest, the Lord Jesus purchased reconciliation with God for sinners. Atonement bringing God in His awesome holiness near to the sinner. And the sinner that is justified by faith in the blood of Jesus is brought to be at one at peace with God. And that was the work of the vicarious substitutionary offering of our Lord Jesus on that cross. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. If you're a Christian tonight, you're reconciled to God. There's no division. There's no separation. There's nothing that can come between your soul and the Savior. Now, I say nothing eternally. There could be some grieving of the Spirit that might hinder your prayer life. But according to the salvation of your soul, because Christ died, who shall lay any charge to God's elect? It is Christ that died. You're reconciled. You're made to be at one. And even though we are imperfect in this world, our standing, our acceptance with God is absolutely complete. Number six now, we're moving on. As a priest, the Lord Jesus intercedes for sinners in His praying. The Good Shepherd as our priest is now at the right hand of God, interceding, praying, for His people. How does He do it? 
with his own blood. That was the work of the priest. That was ingrained into the Israelite people for hundreds of years. The priest slew the animal, had a basin to drain the blood. The animal's carcass was burned, but the blood was brought in through the sanctuary, and the blood was poured on the mercy seat. It was the method of communion and fellowship with God. John 1, 7, that if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. How do we know that? Because Jesus tonight is an active Savior. He is our priest tonight. We have a great high priest. He is at God's right hand, and He's presenting His own blood, the merits of Calvary, and He's presenting that to the Father on which we are accepted. And our prayers and our worship are likewise accepted on the basis of the intercessory work of the Lord Jesus. Now, Isaiah tells us that our names are graven upon the palms of the Savior's hands. You remember that before we had iPhones, there was a little gadget called the palm. It wasn't a phone, couldn't give texts, didn't connect to anything, but it was just a, a, a reminder or an organizer. And we were so chuffed with these little palms and they were just like a phone, about the size, about the size of the palm of your hand. But I think the name came from the habit that we may have of writing little notes on the palm of our hands. And we do so because, well, until we wash it off, it's, it's going to remind us. It's our reminder. And that's the language of Isaiah. Our names are written in the palms of the Savior's hands. Why? Because He's pleading for us. What an amazing, wonderful thing that your name is now presented by your wonderful, active priest, the Lord Jesus, who is representing you before the Father, and He never forgets. He never forgets your need, your cause, and the salvation of your soul. And so, for all these reasons that I've given tonight, you cannot discuss the whole topic of substitutionary atonement without the priestly work of the Lord Jesus. And I don't know about you, but there are many so-called gospel evangelical churches that never get to the priestly work of Christ. I think it's something that's in our catechism, how did Christ execute the office of a priest? And Reformed Presbyterian, Free Presbyterian people ought to know their catechism and ought to know that this is the truth of the gospel. And for these reasons, we will never turn to any man as a priest. We will never refer to anyone else as our priest. That is to deny the unique office of our Lord Jesus. We reject priesthood. 
In Ephesians 4, you have a list of officers in the church. You have apostles, you have prophets, you have evangelists, teachers, but not a word about a priest. In fact, the genius of Christianity today is that we are all priests. We all come to the Lord. You don't need a man to represent you except the man Christ Jesus. He is our priest. And we go directly to Him, and we pour out our hearts, we confess our sins, we plead His blood, and we seek His mercy. And we take delight tonight that our Lord Jesus is the Good Shepherd because of His commitment to guarantee eternal life for the sheep. I give unto my sheep eternal life, and they shall never perish. And these are all reasons why you need the Lord Jesus as your Savior. I think I am looking at the vast majority of people here tonight that are rejoicing in this. They're taking delight that we have such a Savior. What a tragedy that someone may not have the Lord as their high priest. And this language maybe even is contrary to your thinking. I assure you tonight that the Lord is worthy of following Him is worthy of your total surrender because without the good shepherd you're following a hireling. A hireling that when he seeth the wolf coming will flee. But your Lord Jesus has gone to the cross taken the suffering born the wrath of God in your place, and died as your priest in victory to redeem your soul. This is also our great confidence in prayer. Whatsoever ye ask in my name, Jesus said. And in fact, it's stated three times in John's gospel, John 14, John 15, John 16. Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's why Jesus' name is so powerful in prayer. Are you a man or woman of prayer? It will begin when the truth of Christ as your priest sinks in. That you're not just mumbling weak, feeble words that get lost in the furniture. But when you lip and use the name of the Lord Jesus, He has all authority in heaven and on earth. And as Robert Murray McShane would have said, that He takes our prayers and prays them all over again, presenting them with His own blood. What a Savior! Let's not lose sight of the one we worship and serve. Now, the week is now before us. Monday morning is coming. Well, tomorrow may not be a work day for everyone. 
but you're going to have opportunities. Can you take something of what we have looked at tonight, put it into your own words, or maybe just collect two, three Bible verses that stated for you, and say to someone, did you know that when Jesus died on the cross, he died as a substitute, as a priest in victory? He did not die in defeat. If you say that much and leave it there, you think of the seed that you've sown in someone's heart and mind. It's the truth, and God can take it and use it in some sinner's heart. Gospel preaching to Christians is really all about equipping us to be good witnesses, that we don't become apologetic and uncomfortable sharing the gospel but that we with all confidence and with these terms and with these truths just lay it out and say, hey, here it is. I want to tell you what my Savior has done for my soul. That's a powerful testimony. And that has nothing to do with what car you drive or what house you live in or who's your friend. It's all about the victory of Calvary. What a testimony. May the Lord help us to tell the story well. Shall we sing our closing hymn now, 135, 135? Isaac Watts, wonderful hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. One, three, seven. Let's stand to sing, please. Did I get the number wrong? One, three, seven. One, three, five. All right, we're on 135, just in case I got that wrong. Just that little thought in there. 135, Rockingham, when I survey the wondrous cross.
Our Father, we thank Thee tonight for our blessed Lord Jesus at Thy right hand upon the throne. His work of atonement is done. His sufferings are over. Redemption has been paid in full. Now, O Father, look upon Thy Son as He pleads for His people by His own blood. Thank you that we have such an high priest that gives us power in prayer, that gives us confidence that God's will shall be done, and that you shall be with us always. Bless your people in the week to come. Thrust us out, Lord, into a, a, a world, a harvest that is white, and may we be faithful witnesses to all who need our Savior. Now part us with your blessing, and may the grace of our Lord Jesus, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with your redeemed now and ever. Amen.